Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Village Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day, Father. God, we thank you for um, that you've brought us into your marvelous light to expose us to the riches of knowing you, being with you, being loved by you, showing us how to love each other, um, saving us from ourselves, Father. So we come to you, Father Lord, and uh, our request and our prayer is that you would make us more poor in spirit, actually, Father. Like, we want to get rich in you, um, but we don't, we don't assume that we are able to carry your glory inside of these earthen vessels, Father Lord. Um, so I pray that you would reveal yourself to us, but also keep us poor before you. Um, keep us from becoming cute and then uh, and missing you, Father Lord. So we are needy, and we just pray today that even in this word that you would um, divinely direct us um, and, and reveal yourself through it, Father. So we thank you for our church. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for the whole EVAC crew, the whole squad, Miss Donna Frio coming through to share with us today. Um, and we just thank you for the story that you're making that's beyond us, Father Lord. We're just in it and trusting you as you lead us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, so we are going to be inside of Ephesians 5. I'm going to be jumping around on the text quite a bit today, which y'all know is normal for me, and I have quite a bit of text. This is sometimes you're preaching a topic and the Word of God lines up so heavy on it, you're just like, I can't leave that out. So how many people were here last week? So last week, we started off in a sermon series called, series called Squad Goals, right? And so Squad Goals, and it was Will the Real Church Stand Up? And the reason we started off with Squad Goals is because towards the end of March, we are going to be kicking off our small groups, all right? And our small groups are going to be called squads. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll formally announce that next week, all right? But we thought it was necessary to, for us to have a really, really healthy perspective of the church. Because a squad, whether it's a small group or not, it's basically a church, right? Even if it's just you and three other people, it doesn't matter what it is. You're the church when you meet together, right? And, and, and so one of the things I went into was in uh, 1 Peter 5, how it talks about Christ being the living stone and then us being living stones, right? That we come together and we make up the church, the ecclesia, the church, the, the, the broad world church, the local church, the church with me and you chilling at, you know what I'm saying, at Bowl Bean with a cup of coffee in the Word of God church. Y'all get where I'm coming from? So I wanted y'all to have a healthy perspective of that. But more than that, I wanted you to have a perspective of God's purpose for the church, right? And the legitimacy of the church. Because, you know, some of y'all saw my post when I even advertised, you know, that we're going to be preaching about that. Fellas, hit the clock for me. When I advertised that, and one of the things I actually said was, I said, yeah, you know, hypocrites, greedy, never out in the community. I said all of these things that people say all the time about the church. And, and I don't know about you, in my Christian walk, I felt that about the church before. Anybody else felt that before? You know what I'm saying? You run into a couple of weird people up in the church. You feel me? All right. You act like you don't know. I got some friends or whatever that, never mind. Anyway. All right. So praise the Lord. We get some weirdos sometimes. We can be weird ourselves. 
Sometimes we miss what the gospel is and we start doing something else besides really, really leaning into the word of Jesus Christ. And so I want this thing for our church so bad that the gospel talks about this fellowship and this ministering to each other. Like, I want it so bad because it's the picture that God shows us in the Bible. And, and so one of the ways for our church is going to happen is it's going to happen through squads and through our small groups. A lot of churches that have small groups, they're like, it's the heart of our church. Because it's where people actually get to kick it, where they get to be real, where they get to confess sin together, where they get to pray to each other. All these beautiful things. But like, if you don't really think much of church, it won't mean anything to you, right? So you got to have a healthy understanding of what the church is. So I'm going to hit a little bit of that to recap last week, and then I'm going to bring you into what we're talking about this week, right? So Ephesians 5. Let me read this to you. Ephesians 5, 28. It says, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. Y'all need to hold it. Y'all need, need what I'm about to give to you. And let me tell you why you need it. Because there's going to be times when people are going to come at the church or whatever, and they're going to be talking crazy about it, and you're going to actually agree with a whole lot of what they're saying. You're going to be like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they're looking at you funny. Yeah, judgmental. Yeah, you're right. And so if you don't got nothing beyond that that holds you to the church, then you're going to get swept away in it, right? But when you look at this scripture, it is profound, as Paul says. He says, this mystery is profound. I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. So he's talking about marriage. And in the scripture, he talks about a husband being called to lay his, wife, his life down for his wife. It actually even says that Christ, that, that Christ asked for the husband to sanctify his wife, Right? So let me tell you what marriage, marriage mistake number 101 is. People always think like, I found the perfect girl. Or I found the perfect guy. And then, you know what I'm saying, you wake up and their breath smells like a monster one morning. And you're like, oh crap, who's, crap literally, oh crap, what's going on, all right? And then, and then you start second guessing some things, right? So it's not, it's not this story we see on TV, it's this thing where you have something bigger than what you may actually experience sometimes that you're committed to for the long haul, right? It's the thing that we need to know about. I told you last week, I'm like, the Bible, so many verses talk about the church is something that's being built up. It's not an Airbnb and you pop up and you're like, this view is amazing, this joint is laid out. It's a, it's a renovation project. Come on over, grab a hammer and let's get to it. But it's going to be beautiful when we get done. You get where I'm coming from? That's the church. And that's what he's saying right now. He's not saying, yo, love your wife because she's going to be lovable and perfect all the time. He's not saying, wives, your husband's going to be perfect all the time. He's saying, he's painting a picture of his relationship to the church. I know they're a hot mess, but they're my mess. Right? He says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. He's like, yo, you are my body. You understand? So when somebody comes and talks slick about the church, when you feel slick about the church, because you will, I'm not saying that they're lying. 
I'm not saying I don't have agreement with the naysayers. I'm saying that God is doing something bigger than everything we're talking about. You understand what I'm saying? He's doing something bigger than that. He's doing something that has an eternal perspective in mind. He has something that is going to make the most beautiful story. Nobody likes movies and just likes to see the end and like, oh, they killed it. It's over. We want to see the struggle. He's putting you in a beautiful struggle. You understand where I'm coming from? My daughter, Jersey, I posted this picture not too long ago. Um, my wife was going somewhere or something. I think she was out of town. And so me and Jersey was like, yo, let's go grab something to eat, right? Jersey is, how old is Jersey, babe? Three? Got nine kids. Number 10 in two weeks. I don't, can't remember the ages no more. Don't judge me. Anyway, so I'm with Jersey, and I go out with her. I post a picture of her and stuff. And my wife comes home, and she sees the picture. She's like, why in the world do you got my baby in the streets looking like that? I was like, what are you talking about? Jersey had on two different flip-flops. They were on the wrong feet. She had a pair of skinny jeans. Then she had a tutu come out of it. She had a button-up flannel. The joint was buttoned up like this right here. We're like, you know, you know how you miss the top button? You ever do that, whatever? Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Your joint just like come out and it looked like you got scoliosis or something. You know what I mean? I got scoliosis for anybody who gets offended. I'm, I got you beat. I got a metal rise in my back. But anyway, joint is like this right here, twisted, right? Hair crazy. And she's like, what is she doing? And I'm like, I said, yeah, now that I look at it, it's kind of crazy. Kind of a little crazy a little bit, right? But here's the thing. Jersey's my baby. I don't care. And she knows I don't care. I don't care. That's my girl. She comes out of my gut, out of my stomach, out of my, she is me. You understand what I'm saying? So I don't care. That's my boo. Flip-flops, crisscrossed, all that. You understand? Flannel hijacked on one side, tutu coming through that. That's my girl. That's my baby. We got something that's beyond the circumstances. You get where I'm coming from? That's how Christ postures himself towards the church. He looks at us and be like, I know they're crazy, but that's my, that's my people. That's my baby. I'm with them. I'm in it for the long run, Right? What he's modeling to us is this long-suffering, this mercy and grace. He's modeling his goodness, right? So when we betray it, it's because we start thinking we're actually cuter than what he's doing. If we knew what a wreck we really were, right? If we knew what a wreck we really were, we'd be so grateful for what he's doing. But it's when we get cute and we don't, then we start to stomp on his mercy and grace. You get where I'm coming from? You ever like been helping somebody? And they're just running you ragged. And they don't even know they're doing it. And you just be like, oh my God. They be like, I need to go back to the store because I left. I wanted some mints. You be like, the store is 20 miles. I had something to do and I came to help you already. We can't get the mints. I only eat these kind of mints though. And they just like, they're killing you. You know what I'm saying? You're ripping, you're running, you're trying to help them. And they don't even, they don't get what it is. That's how Christ is with us all the time, always enduring us because he's merciful and because he's good because the story is not about how good you are, it's about how good he is. Y'all get where I'm coming from? So church, that commitment is crazy. I'm going to hit you with one more. Ephesians 3, 7. He says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. This is Paul speaking. And he says, which was given to me by the working of his power. 
not by Paul's power, given to him by the working of Christ's power, of God's power, right? He says, to me, though I am the very least of all saints, the grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. Now listen to this statement. This is, this is what you need when people come at you about church, right? Who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. God's plan for his conversation, his relationship with the earth is through the church and through the church only, right? So when we get the posture and we're like, uh, you know what I'm saying? I don't need to be following all this and this and that and all they want to do. That's true sometimes. And you do need to evaluate the health of the church that you're actually in, Right? You need to evaluate it. That's really, that's realistic. But you also need to pray about where God is actually, has you planted. Because he might need, he might have you in a messed up situation so you can renovate where you're at, right? By living out the way he wants you to live. So that's a call that he makes. But at the end of the day, what we need to know, so you can lean into your squad, so you can lean into this church and what God is doing in this community, you need to know for 100% when you wake up in the morning, like, I can lean all the way in this. Because the word of God says that we won't be made a fool. And his, he tells you right in his word, through the church, my manifold wisdom and power is going to be shown. Do you get where I'm coming from? Are y'all tracking with me? Stain it in your brain so you, when, when you forget what other people are saying, when you start questioning what it is. When those days when, you, when you're running ragged and you feel like a fool, hold on to that. Hold on to that. It's necessary, right? I have to. We all have to. Now let's talk family. Don't be sending me no letters or whatever. We're about to throw up some lyrics from um, a great scholar and, 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 uh, and, and, and academic born out of the, the Brooklyn um, Marcy Projects by the name of Jay-Z. All right? You can throw it up there. Put it up there, fellas. Y'all got it? I just want to start off with some lyrics real quick. So this is a quick line. I think I had to blink out something, whatever. <laughs> brother, that's not his lyrics, brother. He didn't do Hebrews. He didn't he did do Hebrews. Y'all might not have it. If you don't have it, it's all good. I'm going to read it to y'all. Y'all ready? So it's from Jay-Z's first album, Reasonable Doubt. Um, you know, this is from Born Out. It was, it's, ter- it's, all account, it's a bad album. Um, but he killed it. I'm sorry to tell you whatever he did. He, killed, he flipped the mic, he ripped it. Anyway, it's a classic, but, you know, don't go listen to it. But anyway, he says, in the, he says, he says this right here. He says, if every blank... And your clique is rich, your clique is rugged. Nobody will fall because everyone will be each other's crutches. Did y'all catch that? All right, see, see, look. Thank you, Miss Connie. Thank you, Miss Connie. All, all the white people are like. I, somebody just reached over and grabbed somebody else like a squeeze like. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to do some translation. See, I, see, look. Our church, is, our church is diverse, so like we realize sometimes we got we to gotta stop and break it down for each other, right? So, so he says, he says, if every, we'll just, for, for, if every person in your clique, which is your crew or your squad, is rich, then your clique is rugged, which means, come on, help me black folks, real, authentic, awesome, spectacular, there you go, all right. 
nobody will fall because everyone will be each other's crutches. So he's talking about, like, if y'all are all rich and your whole crew, then everybody's going to be good to go because y'all can hold each other up. Y'all get the concept? All right, boom. All right. I went in explaining it. I didn't talk myself out of the whole purpose I even had it. I don't even, even know anymore or whatever. I know I was going to have to teach the class on it, you know. Um, but y'all get the point, right? In its context, it's, it's, it's not true. It's not true because financial wealth doesn't make for, you know, solidarity within a crew, right? I mean, it's an American story. It makes for treachery, if you want to be honest, right? I can look at Jay-Z and his own squad and point this out to you and make it the case, but I do find agreement with this statement because, you know, when we were just reading Ephesians 3, um, Paul says, he talks about to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, right? The unsearchable riches of Christ. So, like, if you, if you look at this and you think about it from, from, from that standpoint, it's like if every person in your clique is rich in Christ, your clique is rugged. Nobody will fall because everyone will be each other's crutches. It's the premise for my, for my, for my sermon today. Like, I'm going to actually show you in the Bible where, like, your relationship with Jesus fosters fellowship and ministry in the brotherhood of the saints and, and followers of Christ Jesus. Like, your relationship with Jesus directly does that, right? So a lot of times we go to, hey, we need to get together and we hang out. And that's a logical thought. But I want to actually take you, like, to Christ, then to go hang out, right? Because when you do squads, when you step into that, you're going to actually need this, right? You're going to need to know where the church is at, and you're going to need to be able to step into this. Um, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, let me read this to you. It says, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This verse right here, what it's saying is our togetherness with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, with each other, is effective in countering the divisive appetite of the flesh to withdraw from each other by calling us to assemble together around the hope of Christ. Y'all with me? An eternal and cross-centered hope working through a community, of, a community of believers that says, I see your flaws, I even see your destructive habits, but I am going to encourage you and stimulate you to love and good deeds and need the same from you as opposed to carnal recipes for relational destruction, for, for uh, carnal recipes for relational destruction, such as shallow agreement, gossip, judgment, condemnation, and eventually abandonment. That's the, that's the rhythm relationships usually go, right? We're usually walking on eggshells and wondering if we can actually show our true self to our people, right? So we end up in these relationships that are cool because we actually have something else that actually bonds it together, but it's actually not really a relationship between us, right? I think a lot of people, when you get, you know what I'm saying, when you hit like 40 and stuff or whatever, and you've had a ton of relationships, you start to realize you don't end up with that many friends in life, right? I'm telling you that, and I've lived my life rolling with a mad, massive crew all my life. It just doesn't happen like that, right? For a lot of the relationships, it was like, okay, we all, you know, do drugs together. We get high. 
But then once I decided not to do that anymore, the phone didn't ring anymore. And I'm like, oh, I was willing to lay my life down for, and this is the only thing that actually was the glue between us. You get where I'm coming from? And a lot of us have relationships like that. But in the word of God, he shows us himself, his son Jesus as the glue, right? So what we're talking about here is fellowship and ministering, and I want you to have a good um, vocabulary on what that actually is, right? So just real briefly to give you, bring you up to speed on it, because I want you to be able to extract it from the word as I'm preaching and be like, okay, I see what you're talking about. When we talk about that, if you look inside of Acts 2, 45 through 46, I'm not going to run through it now, but you're going to see the church after Pentecost when it comes together. The people are ministering together. They're sharing meals together. They are actually supporting each other. When somebody has a hardship, they be like, yo, what can we do? Let's all pull a little something together and make that thing go away. Um, they were with each other. They were eating with each other. They were confessing sin to each other. They were walking in the light. They were basking in the glory of the cross of Jesus. Do you get where I'm coming from? They were ministering to each other's needs and they were fellowshipping together in truthfulness. They was hanging, chilling like a villain, plotting on a bank building, to say the least. I'm sorry, I said it all the time, you shouldn't plot on bank buildings. All right, we're gonna be in, John, uh, in, in 1 John 1. So please turn there and we're gonna go through here. Y'all ready? All right. So it says this. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our, our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim it to you, the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. Look at this verse. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. I want you to focus on verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. This is the process, right? This is the process for fellowship that he's actually saying. We proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship. So John's speaking from the sense of, yo, we got fellowship, right? We, we clicked up. We speaking the truth of the gospel to you so you could come be in our clique too, right? Be in our squad. And he says, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So he bases this idea in this conversation. He says fellowship twice. He says fellowship with us and fellowship with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So he doesn't sell you on, man, we need to be friends. He's like, we need to be Jesus, and this will bring us into fellowship, into truth like you've never seen before, right? Because you have to think about it. What is the gospel? The gospel is that my sin and your sin is so wretched and disgusting and so beyond even what we can comprehend or, or quantify, right? It's so gross and it's so deep and it's so sneaky and it's in the nooks and crannies of our lives that we can't even we can't even bring it to bear because we can't extract it we can't even find the truth like we are not even able to trust ourselves so lost that the king of kings right lord of lords leaves his throne and becomes a man 
the only sacrifice whose blood was only sufficient enough to actually wipe away such sin. Do you understand, do you, do you understand that? I know you hear it, but who, who, I don't think any of us understand it. Because it's too, it's beyond, it's way above our pay grade, right? It's way above our pay grade. I, by faith, have to believe on the depths of my sin. What I can see is disgusting. But, it, but, but then I have to trust the Lord that it's a hundred times worse than that. And then my pitiful brain trying to comprehend the glory of him leaving his throne to have mercy on my soul and redeem the lost sinners who are throwing rocks at him while he's trying to save them. Y'all with me? I just want to bottle you into this thing really, really good because it's this thing where it's like we think that we could figure this out another way. We could figure out fellowship in life and how to do things another way, but in all the while we're shaking our fist at God like his word isn't true. Let me read verse 5 to you real quick. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So he's establishing, establishing God's superiority. Same thing I was just telling you. It's beyond our comprehension. There's no darkness in him at all. It says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. There it goes again. You see it? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And then in verse 6, it says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So what actually is the darkness that it's talking about? The darkness that it's referring to is the darkness of us refusing to be wretched, right? So let's talk about church, for instance. The grievances people have against church. It usually starts off with the word judgmental. Am I right? And condemning, right? And so let's talk about this relationship that it has. It says when we walk in the light, then we have fellowship. But it says don't be in the darkness. So basically if I could just put all that together or whatever, I know I'm hitting a lot of top of things or whatever, but it's basically saying if you stop trying to act like you got your craft together and you are better than you are, and you walk in the light and actually confess your sins, it will make fellowship with you, right? Me and Brother Dell, we was having lunch, right? Me and Dell was talking about how people love AA groups, right? Because you can go to an AA group and just be as low down and be like, man, it's a low down, dirty dog, man. I ate a bug off my rear view mirror on the way over here today. You know what I'm saying? And what, like, you can just be the most wretched, disgusting thing ever. And they'd be like, it's all right. Speak up, Bob. <laughs> Speak up. Tell us about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can just come and you can just walk in the light with your wretchedness, and everybody's going to encourage you and push you to actually go forward. They're not going to say, you low down, dirty something, you need to get out of here. Because everybody who's sitting around the room is actually aware that they have actually wrecked everything they touch and they can't be trusted. And so they're all there saying, I actually need you to go forward. Y'all get where I'm coming from? That's what church is actually supposed to be like. And when it's not like that, you should actually be scared. If it's not heading that way, you should actually be scared. That's the truth of the matter. And if we don't believe it's the truth of the matter, then we're saying 
that he's a liar. Let me read a little bit to you real quick. Start in verse 6 again. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us all from, cleanses us from all sin. If we, if, now listen to this, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we, de- we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then once again, it tells you again, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This is like a gangster, gangster scripture. This just lays it all on the table because it, it gives you a line, right? It's like the work that we are doing as a church is not to keep trying to pretty up our resume to convince each other that we got our stuff together, all right? It's not what it is. We actually are in, we are called to actually walk in the light more and more, right? And here's the thing, if you are in the body of Christ and you don't find agreement with this scripture, then you will be one of the catalysts that makes everybody close up and try to step into the darkness, right? Because I'm not going to want to confess my sin to you if you are not a person that actually agrees with the scriptures. Maybe you do another kind of church thing where everybody acts like they're cute and they get, get it together and then they're like broken into pieces when somebody actually confronts their sin. Maybe you do that type of church, but that's not what he's talking about in the Word. We're allowed to be to eat a booger off the rearview mirror. I wouldn't suggest it, but you can. You can. I'm, just be, I'm, I'm joking, but I'm being very, very serious. We are actually allowed to be just as wretched as we actually are. And to actually try to be anything else but that is actually foolishness, right? Because the Bible says right here, the process is really, really crazy. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when you have a person um, that's supposed to be helping you with your finances, right? And you don't want them to be, um, you know what I'm saying, Marie, y'all will know. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all, y'all on y'all Ramsey game. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's like, hey, let me help you with your finances. But they've been like being reckless with their finances, right? And so they're like, yeah, man, that's, you know what I'm saying? That's everything right there, whatever, and stuff or whatever. Then like they're looking at your credit report and you're like, yo, man, you got a, 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 a loan in here for like $65,000. Like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 I forgot that. And then it's like, we don't want to walk in the light, right? And then what ends up happening? The person ends up having to say you like, look, I can help you, but I need everything on the table. You get where I'm coming from? I need everything on the table. You can't leave an open credit card. You got a problem. If you leave that thing hidden in the darkness over here, we're going to be right back to where you were at before. Does that make sense? I'm just trying to make it practical for you. By no means is this me I'm telling you the story about at all. Not, no way. <laughs> Never happened. I don't, no, I don't care what they said. It didn't happen. But what, seriously, what I'm saying here is this right here. It is telling us, like, he's literally saying, like, yo, my son's blood is all that. As wretched as your sin is, it's nothing compared to the blood of Jesus Christ. It's sufficient. It cleanses it. 
you bring it all over here, we make it all go away. Right? And I'm committed to you. You're going to be my body, so I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk through every single thing. I'm going to sanctify you. You trip up, you slip up, you run up some more debt, then show back up. I'm going to be right here with my door open to keep on working through it. Right? This process works with us always bringing it to the table. And it makes fellowship for us. When we are standing together as brothers and sisters, and we're able to say that, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know, I'm not calling nobody out, but, you know, so we got a couple people, whatever, in the church, they may smoke cigars or whatever, this and that, and they'll be right outside the front of the church. I've had people be like, yo, so-and-so is smoking in front of the front. You want to talk to them? And they're out there, and they be like, what, what'd you say? I love it because I'm like, yo, I don't want nobody to not be themselves. You get where I'm coming from? I don't want nobody to not be themselves. But like a lot of that, a lot of that really hinges on do we trust each other? Do we actually all believe this? Because we're only going to creep out of the darkness a lot of times based on like where your brother or sister's at. It's like they, they, it's like when they talk about proclaiming the gospel, they're like, yeah, I'm proclaiming the gospel to you or whatever so you can actually come into fellowship with us. You understand what I'm saying? So the problem is like, I don't know if you believe in this word like this. So I don't know if you can handle all of this mess that I am like Jesus is able to handle it. You get where I'm coming from? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. It just makes fellowship and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from it all, from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word is not in us. This is our calling card to everybody that's in the streets outside of the church. That's the thing they should know about us, not the do-gooders or like, you know, our face card is that we have it all together, but like, whoa, them people don't hide in the shadows. And, and somehow they are intoxicated with the love of Christ and being transformed in the midst of it. And it's not your effort to be so good and carry it so good, but you're being truthful and you're coming before the Lord with it and he just keeps rinsing your sin. After a while, you know what it is, you keep rinsing that thing or whatever and then the stain is just gone, Right? That's the process. We have to walk in the light and walk in our repentance. You know, this is a little bit off topic, but not off topic, but the, we were talking a couple weeks ago about how Paul talks about having a thorn in his side. Y'all know what text I'm talking about? And I was pointing out how crazy it is that um, Paul says, that, that, that Christ has given him such revelation, like the Lord has shown himself to Paul so much that, Paul, that, that God lets a harassing spirit be attached to Paul's life to save Paul from himself. Just think about that for a minute. Like, we'll cry out to the Lord and we'll say, Lord, reveal more of yourself. 
but really we can't carry all that the Lord is, right? So, that, so, so you have to have a healthy understanding of your brokenness in the midst of that story so you don't get deceived and think it's about you. But I'm not sinful. I am that sinful. I am that sinful. So it, like, and, and I need the awareness so I can, my prayer is like, keep me poor in spirit. Keep me broken. Keep me not thinking that I can do this. Keep me from being conceited. Keep me from having an unhealthy perspective of what I'm able to do outside of you. Right? That's what, we're, that's what happens when we throw a rock at church, what God is doing and everything else. We're usually like, this is some, I don't, we don't need this, all this. But the problem is, is that God is doing something that's beyond what you can comprehend. You don't even have everything on the conversation when you go through that. I don't, right? There's been times when I've been up here preaching or whatever, I'd be like, yo, if somebody go out the door and get coffee, I'm dipping right behind them. Seriously. I'm like, Lord, I can't do it. Help me. And then we think about Jesus, right? How does he show us fellowship? Like when we look at him, how do we see him in his ministry? Like what does he show us about fellowship and everything else, right? You look at Jesus and his squad, he has tax collectors, which were the most repulsive human beings to ever walk the land and live amongst the community. And the reason that's the case is because they switch sides, right? They switch sides on their own people just to get a little money in their pockets. People walk past them and want to just spit on them, but they couldn't because they're protected by the government. But anyway, Jesus is actually rolling his squad with the neighborhood scumbag. I'm hoping that when we have squads kick off in this church that you will get some neighborhood tax collectors with you, all right? Romans 15, it says this. It says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. It's not the Airbnb, it's the grab a hammer. That's the work we're in. Y'all see that? Y'all hear me? Y'all with me? Y'all awake? It's for the buildup. It's important for you to know. Because when you start complaining and you're like, man, why is this like this or why is this like this? When it's not the Airbnb. This whole process is about building up. And you're being built up. You haven't arrived either. God is doing something in us and through us, right? It says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Christ did not please himself, but the reproaches that fell on you fell on me. What he's saying right there is that they called me a scumbag for standing next to you. I didn't make the, so a lot of times we go, I don't want to be seen with those people or because people will think that I'm like that person, right? It's a logical statement. We process like that. Or if we're walking down the street and we're like, okay, this dude's over here barking at the ATM or whatever. I'm going to, you know, something, whatever. Which is, some of these things are logical. But at the end of the day, Christ, when he, he's, he's painting this picture of, I took on your reproach. 
I didn't please myself. I'm the king of kings, lord of lords, right? I don't have to be here. But he's there. And he's sacrificing. He humbles himself, right? And he puts off his divineness to become a human to save us from ourselves. And he takes on the reproach that comes with us. That's why everybody was standing outside saying, die. He takes on the reproach. He takes on the reproach for reclining and hanging out with his crew. Look at him. He's hanging with those people over there. It's all in the scriptures. And I think they, what? What they, oh my God. I think he has a Stella over there on the counter. They on him, right? It's in the scriptures. He's, he's eating and drinking with his people. He's hanging out. He's having dinner with, with rich folks. There's people in the streets who are like, oh, those are the people that are pressing us. But when he shows up at the table, people are repenting. They're like, I'm giving back everything I stole, plus some. He is confounding everybody when he fellowships. He's calling people to repentance. He's speaking truth to power because he is power. And we as children of God have that power living inside of us, right? John 15, I'm going to read this and I'm going to close this up in this. John 15, 4, he says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is he it, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. He does not waste time um, trying to stroke our ego. He says, you are completely crippled outside of relationship with me. That's the walk with Jesus Christ, right? Anything else outside of that is some weird, awesome church movement capitalist movement. I don't know what else you want to call it. Whatever you want to call it, right? This is never about how awesome we are. It just simply isn't. That's not the truth, right? And there's nowhere in the scripture that says anything even close to that. It literally says if you are not attached from me, you can't even bear any fruit that's worth anything, right? So it makes us weak like that. And this is the love of God doing that. John 15, 12, he says this. He says, this is my commandment, a little bit further down. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. He hinges, he hinges everything from a relationship perspective on what he did on the cross, right? So this, this, this call that he gives to us right here, it debunks the idea of, hey, you love those who love you. That's actually not the truth. That's the way the world sees it. It makes sense from a fleshly standpoint, but when you look at the cross, it simply doesn't add up. So we have a decision to make. Are we going to actually walk as Christ calls us to walk, or are we going to do what makes sense to the flesh, right? People will say you're a fool when you're loving somebody who's kicking and screaming you and fighting you as you're loving them. They'll be like, you stupid, man. You got better stuff to do with your time. Who says? The scripture doesn't say that says this is the best way to have your time spent, right? So he says that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. 
No longer do I call you servants, for, servant, for the servant does not know what his master, master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. This is us right here. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So Christ is pointing us to himself to bring us into this fellowship. He's literally saying to us, like he, he, is, he is answering, he is responding to the brokenness in our world, right? That makes, I think all of us, if you've lived a little bit, you hit a certain point when you get older and you be like, nobody told me life was like this. Right? You, you, we want to live and live abundantly, but the fact of the matter is your life, your body is breaking down as you go. Right? You get closer and then friends start dropping all around you. And you're like, I didn't think about that. It's around the corner. These things it just does for you, like, like it, it does this crazy thing to you. These people that you were like, it's my ride or die. They're going to be with me forever and they're nowhere to be found. You understand where I'm coming from? And God looks at this, this thing, this sin that's in the world that devours everything. At this point in life, we have so many headlines that your brain will explode. You don't even know what truth is anymore. We have Republicans, Democrats fighting across the aisle. One person presents statistics on one thing, and the person presents different statistics on the exact same thing. So now you just have to choose a gang. You rolling with the Bloods or you rolling with the Crips? Which one are you rolling with? That is the way the sin of the world mashes it up in this thing, and it's just broken. And we all know it's broken. But we entertain it. But he's like, nah, it's not love. I gave you me so you can actually know what love is. He is love, right? But we have to, if we were actually chosen to bear this fruit, as he says, then we're going to have to actually look inside of his word and start drawing lines based on the scripture and not based off of our emotions and our feelings. Am I right? And not based off of what the news told us last night. Do you, do you, are y'all with me? If I'm talking crazy, y'all let me know. This is God's love to us. He gave us himself. This is how he saves us from ourselves. This is how he shows his glory through his body, through his church. He, he, he kills all of the memes we see all day on Instagram that are like, if your friends aren't willing to support your dream, then get rid of them. Yeah, I want my friends to do that. But Christ is in the business of redeeming and making all things brand new. He takes broken lives and he brings life. He takes dead bones and he breathes into them, Right? He takes the worst wretched sinners and he makes them a part of his family and his crew and he fellowships with them and he reveals himself. And that's what he's called us to do as a church. It's what he's called us to do as our neighbors, to our neighbors, right? And to love each other. So church, what I want to leave you with this morning is I pray that what you will take away from this is a unwavering um, you will put your flag in the ground. I don't care if it's this church or whatever church you go to. You have to put your flag in the ground and lean into what God has called us to do. 
if you've been chosen, you've been chosen to bear fruit, you can't live in this vagueness anymore of like, is the church this or is the church that? He tells you what it is. It's the apple of his eye. He died for it, right? When he says, no greater love than somebody dying for their friend, he's like, I've been there, done that. He's been there, done that. That's why we're here today, because we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But we have to make a decision, right? We have to make a decision. So I pray that you will, that that will be the case for you today, and that you will trust God and lean in and love your neighbor and your brother and your sister and have faith and an eternal faith that moves you forward in that. And so I'm going to end with that. I love y'all. Let's pray real quick, all right? Y'all can stand up. We're going to worship for a bit. Thank you, Father, Lord. God, we just praise you, Lord. We thank you for your son, Jesus, Father. God, we thank you for... Um, for bringing us into your marvelous light. I'm not sure why you chose us to be in this room today, why you chose us to be standing here, Father, to hear this word. Um, but I know that um, in your sovereignty, Father Lord, that you are ordering our steps and our paths, Father Lord. Um, God, I pray that we would, that you would grace us to respond, um, not for the sake of just like we're playing church, but actually for being the church, Father Lord, that we would have an in-depth, um, in our gut understanding that you are, um, that you love us. Even when things get hard, you are with us and your word stands true. Um, God, I pray, Father Lord, that our vision for this church, that the church would be restored inside of Health Zone 1, Father Lord. Um, that, that not because the zone is broken, but because the church has been broken here, whatever, Father Lord. And when the church is healthy, Father Lord, it gives you glory and it, and it touches people in this community and inside of the building and outside the building actually becomes, becomes one, Father Lord. So we want to, we thank you for the gift of where you've placed our church because you use the beauty of the neighborhood to actually change us and to reveal yourself. Um, so, God, help us to fellowship well. Help us to experience you well, that we can experience each other well. Help us, Father Lord, to mature and walk in the light. I pray that for me. I pray that from eldership on down to everybody else inside of the room, Father Lord, that we will learn how to be foot washers, Father Lord, that we will serve each other. You say in your word to esteem your neighbor higher than yourself. Father Lord, help us to be like that. My flesh just wants what it wants all day long. It thinks about itself all day long. So unless your Holy Spirit hijacks me, I'm just lost in the sauce, Father Lord. We all are. So we need you to lead us. We need you to lead us, Father Lord. We need you to overwhelm us with your goodness, Father. We praise you and we thank you for this day, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love y'all.